if we've not met, my name is Dan. As Rich said, I get the joy of being uh, uh, one of the, the leadership team here. And I am carrying on our sermon series through the book of Acts. Acts comes just after the Gospels near the beginning of the New Testament. And um, as Rich said, I've switched with Matt. Unfortunately, he couldn't be here. And so... I'm going to give you a couple of spoilers, but it's okay because it was in the book already. So if you've read it, you'll know these. But Matt's going to come back and kind of fill in a couple of the, well, he's going to fill out a couple of the gaps. So last week, um, Matt preached on Jesus' ascension, where Jesus goes up into heaven and he tells the disciples to wait for the Holy Spirit. And then the Holy Spirit comes uh, in Acts chapter 2. And then individuals are radically, radically changed, especially Peter. And then what happens is as these individuals get changed, actually they form a community. And this community is completely different to any other community uh, that has formed before. So Matt ended on uh, Jesus continuing his story. And today we're going to see that Jesus' story continues through the church. As a result of individual hearts being transformed by the Spirit, collectively our hearts are transformed. The Holy Spirit, the gospel at work in us, makes us more loving, more caring of others, more unified, less selfish, one with each other, and attractive to other people who aren't part of it. And this is the pattern that we see through the rest of Acts, that this, the kind of through the Gospels, we hear about the disciples and they're like this slightly motley, roughish crew of, uh, of, of men and ladies and they then form a community uh, that becomes a church. And then that church becomes a community of communities and many churches are spread throughout the world. But it starts with changed individuals who see others change. Like I said, it's unlike any other community. It's a community that people opt into. They're not kind of born into it uh, or it's not a result of uh, you know, the family they're part of or the politics of the day. But this community is shaped from the inside out, from individuals' hearts being changed from the gospel outwards. And this community reflects what Jesus has done and continues to do in people's lives and their hearts today. Individually, we want to reflect Jesus. And corporately, we want to reflect him too. So we're going to look at, I think it's five verses, and there's it's kind of a snapshot, a scene, of what Jesus is wanting to display of himself through church life. So if you are watching, and this is new to you, uh, that Christianity is, is something you're new to or maybe you're still exploring the claims and the teachings of Christ, then you know, we can see church buildings and we can see people who call themselves Christians and we can form opinions on them. This morning I want to take us to the Bible and kind of show us what the, the original blueprint of what church life should look like or did look like. And in these verses, we're going to see, uh, I haven't got enough fingers, but we're going to see 12 things that the church was doing, and then we're going to look at four things that God was doing amongst them. 
So let's get into the verses. Acts chapter 2, and we're looking at verses 42 to 47. It says, and they, and this is the new converts, if you back up a few verses, you'll read about Peter's amazing sermon and how people uh, became saved and converted to Christianity. So there's the new converts and the old disciples. So this is the community. So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. This was their recalling of what Jesus had taught them. Jesus was... Uh, uh, they knew the, they had the Old Testament and today we had the New Testament as well. And this is what they would have been studying. I'll stop interrupting now. So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers and awe, some Bibles will say awe fear, came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together. They had all things in common they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, they were attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. They received food with glad and generous hearts. They were praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved just want to pause and pray for a moment. Yeah, Father God, we're so grateful for your word as it comes to us through the Bible today. And God, won't you uh, warm our hearts to hear what you want to say to us, Father. God, we long for this church to reflect you, your values, who you are. We want to do the things that you were doing, Father. And God, I pray that you'd help us just as we study these verses to, to see you more clearly than anything else. Amen. So the picture that we see here is of a new unity in this community. It's titled in many Bibles, The Fellowship of Believers, that these believers were united like never before in history. And it starts with this unifying experience of the Holy Spirit and then it begins to spread into other areas of their lives. And these things are recorded because they're new expressions of this community unity. Now today, we might read some of these things and think uh, they're not that remarkable. But at the time, they were particularly remarkable. Today, you know, we're, we're, I think we actually live in a more kind of loving society that we care for the poor and vulnerable, poor and vulnerable much more than the Romans did. But... What the Bible's giving us here is what effective community life, church life should look like. And these 12 activities are actually, uh, they echo throughout the book of Acts. So we're going to keep coming back to these things as we study on through Acts. But these things, as I said before, are an echo of what Jesus did. So very simply, what I want to show us today is the things that this new church were, was doing they're the things that Jesus was doing before and the things that we want to be doing as we continue in church life. So, 12 activities. The first one was that they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. Now, Jesus, as a young boy, was found in the temple. He was discussing the scriptures. He was clearly devoted to the word. He would often quote it back when he was asked tricky questions. And today... 
for us, we also want to be people devoted to the apostles' teaching. We want to uh, kind of get this book, the Bible, inside of us, get the sum of the teaching in our heads and our hearts. We want to take these moments seriously, even though it's coming to you through an imperfect person. They were also devoted to fellowship, that they shared life together. And Jesus literally says when he calls his disciples, come and follow me, he calls them out of where they were to live a radically different life, to become one of his community with others. And we want to do that in Amsterdam. We want to build a genuine community of people who are devoted to Jesus and to each other, despite our many, many differences. Thirdly, they were devoted to the breaking of bread. And this would have included uh, fellowship meals together, as well as the act of communion, taking the bread and the wine. And we, you may recall that Jesus inaugurates. He's the one who sets up this kind of institution, this blessing of taking communion together, that he modeled it. And last year, one of our sermon series, we looked at all the meals that or most of the meals, I think it was all of them, that Jesus had with different people and how important they were. And today we want to be a community that eats together, that takes communion together. When we gather, and next week we can gather 50 in the room, 50 seats available, and we can take communion uh, together at the end, and we love to do that. They were a people who were devoted to prayer, and the context is of the community. So it's, it's prayer meetings together. They were devoted to it. And Jesus taught the disciples how to pray. He modeled private prayer on his own where he'd withdraw. And he prayed with his disciples often. And we want to do the same thing. We want to uh, be a people who pray together. That we're kind of here not, I'm not just talking about kind of coming to church prayer meetings, which we'll talk about in a couple of weeks' time, but they're exciting times. But actually, every time we gather, we can pray. Prayer is part of the normal flow of life, of what we do. So four things they were devoted to. The apostles' teaching to fellowship, to breaking bread, and to prayer but it goes on that they were together. They spent time together. They were seen together. And Jesus spent lots and lots of time with other people. He ate with them. He visited their family members. He allowed their kids to come and see him. And we want to be the same. We want to be together. We can eat together. You know, it's not just about kind of coming to the meetings, but it's we want to be a community that does life together. Then it says they had all things in common. And there's this sense that they were uh, kind of practicing a community of goods. That what's mine is yours and yours was mine. And this happens kind of uh, at a couple of moments and it's early on. But it also copies something of what Jesus did. That actually Jesus appoints Judas to look after the common purse, the money bag. So the disciples together had a common pot as well. And this is in John 12 and 13. And for us today, I think the heart of this is to share. It's to share our stuff. It's to recognize that your needs are my needs and maybe I can help. It doesn't mean that if... You know, someone needs some money, I need to immediately give it to them because we look to God as our provider. But it means that 
I want to come alongside you. I want to pray and I want to say, God, how can this need be met? And then that's followed by, God, are you asking me to meet this person's need today? I'm not a big fan of tiki. I think it can be really helpful at times. But the, the little app where you get to share the cost of everything, I much prefer to either take someone for a coffee or have them pay for me. That just feels like it's more sherry. You know, rather than kind of coming and you do this and I do this, we just happen to be doing it at the same time. I uh, know of people in our church who received a bonus and instead of buying more stuff or bigger and better stuff, they chose to bless other people. And I love that. I think that reflects the heart of what it is to have all things in common, to be wanting to share with one another. And in this community, they didn't just kind of stop at sharing, they were proactive in it that they were selling their possessions and their belongings. And this is in line with Jesus' teachings because he, he t- challenges the, the rich young ruler, the young man who said, you know, I've kept all the commands, what more do I have to do? And Jesus says, you know, give all that you have to the poor because Jesus knew that money Uh, was deep in his heart and and Jesus wants us to be free of the love of money that we get to use it for him Jesus also teaches that uh, we shouldn't build up treasure on earth because it won't last and so I think kind of one of the principles we want to take to heart is we want to encourage one another into voluntary now voluntary is important sacrificial generosity I got to take some stuff to the charity shop, but it wasn't very sacrificial because actually it was taking up space in our house. We want to be asking, you know, how much can I give? How much can I give to the church that can then be distributed to others? How much can I give of what God's given me to bless other people? Now, ownership is okay. And in a couple of chapters' time, we're going to learn about Ananias and Sapphira who uh, they kind of got in trouble with God, not because they wanted to keep stuff or own stuff, but because they lied to the Spirit. So the important thing is that it's okay to own stuff, but we want to keep it with an open hand, that we are kind of just temporary stewards of what we have. It's given by God, and he's given it to us to bless others. So that's the question we want to keep asking. How can we keep blessing others with it? And the disciples, the early church here, they distribute the proceeds to the needy. And this is what we see Jesus kind of, he lived his life for. He lived only to die for us. So his life is, is a gift of life for us because he allowed himself to die. He paid the debt of sin that we could not pay. We were needy. He was rich and we were poor. He was able to meet our needs in this and he allows himself to be used in this way. And that's kind of the heart of the gospel message. That's the heart of how we want to live as a community. We want to care for those who are in need Um, particularly in the church, but also outside the church. There's this sense that they didn't only kind of care for one another, but they actually knew 
each other. They knew each other deeply. They knew who had and who didn't have. And there wasn't this division between the, the rich and the poor. There was no kind of judgment from the rich that the poor should work harder. There was no shame that the poor didn't have. But there's just this loving community of grace and of wanting to uh, help each other. And I think it's a challenge for us to get to know people, to even to get to know their financial situation, not in a prying way, but in a loving way, wanting to help one another to do this better and better. I feel like this is an area for us to grow in. So they gave to the poor. They cared for the needy. And then the last four activities, they attended the temple daily. And we can see that Jesus taught frequently. They were, and then Paul afterwards was regularly in the synagogue weekly. So we want to take our meetings, our gatherings seriously. We want to be present at them. You know, I need you to be here. You need me to be here. That together, when we come together, we make it so much better. And we can display this community. Matt challenged us uh, a few months ago with a prayer meeting coming up. Why not make one decision? One decision this year that every Sunday I'm going to come to church. And if church isn't happening, I'm going to watch it on YouTube. You make one decision. You make one decision that I'm going to be part of a community group. And there'll be times where stuff happens and you can't go, but you've made the decision you want to be there. And you can make it for these meetings. It just saves the wondering of when it comes around when Wednesday or Tuesday happens or Sunday happens am I going to go this week you've made that decision already the disciples were breaking bread in their homes and the distinction here is it wasn't just in the big together moments but the pattern was that they were in and out of each other's homes and we saw Jesus doing this he's in and out of many homes he's healing uh, people he's eating with them simply just being with people and so this is how community life happens in our church it happens in big meetings on Sunday but it also happens in one another's homes big and small gatherings and in Corinthians which was a church that kind of was born out of this we see that there in people's homes there were people who'd already stepped over the line of faith who were saying I'm a Christ follower but there were people who were exploring as well and we want to be a community that kind of have open homes to let people in who know Jesus, who don't know Jesus, who are interested in Jesus. And we want to be a community that welcomes them together. We want to think of our homes as, as mission stations. We don't have a missions department to this church because we're it. We're kind of all missionaries, whether you were born here or whether you've moved here. God's called you to be his representative to this beautiful city of Amsterdam and the stuff he gives us we get to use in our mission, in his mission to help that. So our homes become mission stations. It says, that number 11, they received food with glad and generous hearts that Jesus is recorded as giving thanks before uh, he multiplies the two loaves and the five fish. And it happens on a couple of other occasions too. And so this isn't just like a, a reason why we should say grace. That's what it was known as in my household growing up. Or giving thanks for our food. I think it starts there. But there's a sense that they had joy in their hearts for in God's provision. And they thanked him for it regularly. And they praised God. 
And you can read in John 17 how Jesus' life was oriented to glorifying the Father, that he lived to glorify the Father. And so we want to copy that. We want to worship and we want to praise God. We want to do it in song, and we'll do that a bit more later, but we want to do it through our lives, through our service to him. So the early church didn't just kind of do these activities. And these are very practical things to do. But it flowed from a deep heart change because they were devoted. They did these things daily. They had all things in common. And I think that's partly why it was so attractive because there was passion there, there was purpose there, but there was also grace and love. And only the gospel can do this. Only grasping what Jesus has done for us, that we needed him to do this, that we're not following a set of rules, that it's not a political manifesto or kind of this is 10, 12 steps to live better in community, but the gospel changes our hearts first. We grasp the truth of Jesus of who we are in front of him and how he wants to rescue and transform us. And this results in this new unity in community. This new unity within the new community. That it, it started with a shared experience with this belief in Jesus and then it affects their minds that they give themselves to the apostles' teaching that they're adding knowledge and wisdom to it. John Stott an author, uh, he says this, that the Spirit of God leads the people of God to submit to the Word of God. The Spirit of God leads the people of God to submit to the Word of God. And we as a church want to be having our lives shaped by this amazing book, the Bible. They had their minds uh, and there was a unity of mind of their heads. There was a unity of their hearts that their hearts were suddenly aligned through the gospel, that they see everything differently. This fellowship, the Greek word is koinonia, and it means this kind of generous participation with God and with each other, that they were giving and sharing and taking and, and releasing with God and with each other, and they're doing it in action, they're doing it in affection, that they're loving everyone who chose to follow Jesus. Now this church, we'll find out in a couple of weeks, kind of was born with uh, locals and with foreigners, with Jews. And later on in Acts, we'll see that there were Greeks added in, non-Jews. That there were rich and there were poor people. And there's this alignment of heart that everyone is welcome to be part of this community. And there's this sense too that everyone's involved. There's no passengers or spectator. There's no kind of subs on the bench waiting to be called up. But we all are in the team and we're on the pitch. There's a unity of the stuff that's in their hands. There's a unity of their wealth in giving and receiving. And and we can copy this. We can be generous you know, especially to this community. We can look around for opportunities to help one another, to give away our stuff, to share our stuff, to hold it lightly. There's a WhatsApp group, I think it's called Sharing, where a lot of this happens. And if you don't know about it, someone will. And community groups. I feel so blessed to be part of a community group. And I have seen them kind of jump into this loving action so many times. 
and it'll, it'll come in the form of uh, providing meals for those who are being quarantined. It'll be uh, offering just love and support and kind words. It'll be in visiting hospitals. It's, there's just such a, a sense of love in our and togetherness that we're all in, that we care. And it's amazing. I have noticed that sometimes actually we're better at offering help than we are at receiving it. I know that is my case, you know, and maybe others would resonate, resonate with it. That I think actually as Amsterdamers, we can wrestle with this, that we can wrestle with a bit of a, I want to call it an idol of individuality. That actually I often think to myself or hear myself saying, you know, I can do it myself, that I'd, I don't need help. On Friday, I was trying to load a bike into the back of my car and uh, someone offered help. And I'm struggling and I know I'm struggling. But do I accept their help? No, I say, no, no, I've got this. And, and I was, you know, an oily, sweaty mess by the end of it. I wished I'd have just taken their help. But something in me said, no, that's not what we do. You know, we can often think we want to be our own boss. We want to live off the grid. But these verses, they speak of a better way to live. You know, one of the metaphors used in the Bible for church is that we're a body, that we're kind of different parts of it, interdependent, that we need each other. You know, that we're not meant to be individuals with a private faith, that well, I'm tired of Zoom. I'm sure most of us are, but at the moment it's the only way we get to relate to one another, apart from very small groups, which is definitely worth doing. But if Zoom's all we've got, then I want to do it. I want to encourage you to do it, to lean in, because we need each other, that actually we are much more, to get, much more effective together. And actually when we're alone, we can be in danger of becoming defective. This is a reflection of Jesus in the Trinity. You've got the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. They've got separate roles and separate functions and they're three separate people, but they're one. That's ultimate unity and Jesus is wanting to bring glory to the Father. The Father and the Holy Spirit comes when Jesus uh, goes to, and calls it to come. And there's just this sense that uh, Jesus is kind of serving and they're all interdependent and Often our church doesn't look that great. It doesn't look that impressive. It's, it's full of people like me. But this is still part of Jesus' plan. This is the key foundation for our kind of mission effectiveness is what we do together. That actually it makes Jesus look better because he uses us flawed people. Four things that God does in the community. Number one, we see that awe fell on them. Jesus often left people filled with a sense of awe and amazement at his authority. And we get to experience God. We get to live with a sense of connectedness to him, to the Almighty and his purposes. They saw signs and wonders. And if you know anything about Jesus, you'll know that he performed signs and wonders, healings, resurrections, food multiplications, he calmed storms, and I long for that to happen. Miracles happened in the Bible. God has not changed. God is the one who created the, the laws of physics, the natural order, and he's the one who can bend them too. 
a few a number of months ago now I got to pray for a friend whose shoulder was he was, uh, had been uh, dislocated and he was in pain and I got to pray and and the pain went and where it wasn't healing kind of from that day on it began to get better I just prayed a simple prayer for him we get to do that for one another the third thing God does is that he gave favor with all people. Now we see this in Jesus' life, that the, crowd, the crowds followed him, that they were interested, they wanted to know what was going on. Not everyone appreciated what he had to say, but we want to be a blessing to Amsterdam. We uh, want to be an attractive community. We want to be a community that if we weren't here, people would ask, you know, where's this church gone? One of my prayers is for the businesses that kind of uh, that happen in the Vondelkirk and for the stuff that goes on in here. That because we're here as a church, we want to be a blessing to them. We get to do this, and we see that the Lord adds to their number. And Jesus saw this in his ministry. He starts with twelve disciples, then seventy-two, then one hundred and twenty. And then he ends with the great commission that we are to go and make disciples of all the nations. And this is what is beginning to happen. This is what it looks like in Acts. So as a church, we expect to grow. We expect the church to grow and multiply and for uh, groups to grow and to multiply. We expect people to be saved and to be added to us. And even in this strange COVID season, we've seen people find us. People be saved step over the line of faith and come to know Jesus so as we live out these things what we can expect to see is that our relationships are radically changed that four kind of critical hallmarks of changed relationships as we become a spirit filled church that our relationship with God will change that we'll be daily wanting to worship and praise him, our relationship with one another. We want to be generous, hospitable, caring, present, sharing our time, our stuff and our hearts. That our relationship with church leadership might change. That we want to become devoted to the teaching. We want to learn. That our relationships with those outside of church will also change, that we want to be keen to see people added in. Now it's important to note that here, we see that the Lord added to them daily, but they were involved uh, in one another's lives. And there's this sense of openness together and with those outside the community that they were visible, they were welcoming, they were inclusive. They had others in their homes and the result is kind of this comprehensive evangelistic outreach happening. And daily, they're seeing people come to them and having conversations with them. So, what should we do today? And maybe some of us are sitting here feeling a bit tired because there's a lot of activity going on. Maybe some of us are feeling a bit guilty for not having done some of this stuff. And maybe you're just sitting here kind of feeling like, I can't do it. And that would be exactly right, that we can't do it on our own. And you are not alone in those feelings. I was brushing my teeth with a brand new toothbrush this morning. And it's got this function that when I press too hard, when I apply too much pressure, it lets me know. It does this kind of strange vibratory thing. But 
it struck me that it's a gracious toothbrush that it keeps on brushing even if I press too hard. And what I want you to kind of hear today that if my words have been clumsy, if you're feeling like there's too much pressure with this, keep going to the word. Keep allowing God to change our hearts. I'm hoping that I'm saying the right things, but I might be saying them in the wrong way. So take God's words to heart and ask him to help. This is where we need the Holy Spirit to transform us, to, uh, to change us to help us want to live differently. Now, some of these activities will come naturally to some of us. As I think about the people in my community group, I can put names to those who particularly excel, and the rest of us are actually having to make intentional and sacrificial decisions to write that message, to give that money, to spend time. But the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives and it's as we engage with the gospel in this way that as we begin to see ourselves more humbly as we see one another as worthy of receiving our time because it's a response to what Jesus has done for us as we get how much God cares for us as, uh, so we can live safely in him and we can be free to give to others so, to conclude, this is the continuation of Jesus' ministry on earth, that it's through human beings collectively called the church, that God's, this is how God's big rescue plan happens. Our church will never be perfect, and we're going to experience hurdles on the way. Already the journey in 2022, it, we're still experiencing COVID hurdles of quarantine and all sorts but there's going to be amazing blessings on the way. And this is only going to work as our hearts are transformed by the Holy Spirit revealing the gospel to us. And actually, I want to close with kind of my prayer that maybe you can join in with. And let me just invite you, if you're in the room, why, why don't you stand up? If you're at home watching, you're welcome to stand up as well. And I'm just going to pray that God's Spirit would come upon us now. So maybe if you're comfortable, you can put your hands out as though you're receiving a gift. But Father God, we want to come before you. We see this community and it's attractive. And we see ourselves and we're, we're <laughs> I, I feel so small. But I want to invite your Holy Spirit to come and transform me, transform my heart. When I look to Jesus and see all that he's done for me it makes me want to live more for others and less for myself when I see all that he's given me I yeah, free my heart from the love of money from the, the want to grasp my stuff free my heart from wanting to uh, kind of have so much uh, to be kind of grasping with my time Father help me to love spending time with others even more whether it comes naturally or not, Father. Father, I pray that your mission, your great commission for us to go and make disciples will come increasingly easy for us to live out by your Spirit. We need you in this, Father. Won't you come and help us? Amen.